Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Oh my gosh, this, I feel like, oh gosh, I don't know which one's my favorite. I don't know. That's pretty cute. Oh my gosh. Peyton's showing me all of her favorite squishmallows, but it's like, they're so cute. I don't know which one I like more. Okay. Let's skadoodly boodly. Okay, ready? Hello, are you ready? Yeah. You didn't say yeah. The first time I asked you, you didn't say yeah. You just said this. That is nothing. We haven't seen the. Well, we okay. Wait, let me rephrase that. We don't ever see any of the people that listen to our episodes. But we haven't done an episode. People haven't listened to us in a while, huh? Or at least a new episode. Do you remember the last thing that happened? No, because it was like a week ago. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to read it because honestly, they just, oh, Jesus. Here he goes vacuuming again. We're going to have to pause. We got missed out fire over. Oh, my gosh. It's like, <laughs> he's do- is he doing that on purpose? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, he said, are you guys getting ready to read? Perfect. The vacuum's charged. <laughs> okay. I don't know. We might have to take another break again. Chapter 19. I feel like I can't do it when he's right there. Okay, it's just getting later and later. You guys are just going to have to listen to aggressive sweeping and and talking to the dog, huh, Peyton? All right, chapter 19. Do you want to share what you just learned how to spell? No. Well, she, like, always forgot how to spell berries. She always thought there was a Y, but she's like... B-E-R-R-I-E-S. It should be Y-S. Why do they have to make everything so complicated? And then you said, I said, do you have a strawberry? Does, it, does the name say on the tag? Is that how you learned how to spell it? And then she said, nope. And then I said, no, that's not what you said. You said something about watermelon, and I said. Oh, no, I said, I'm going to do, I'm going to draw my since he's a strawberry, I'm gonna do him strawberry, watermelon, orange. Uh, it's water. It's watermelon. Yeah, it's called watermelon. No. Yeah, like post Malone, watermelon. That's how you say it. Nobody understood that until post Malone came along. But thank you. Thankfully, now we know how to pronounce watermelon. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Chapter nineteen. Edinburgh Castle sits on its high rock cliff, looming over everything. As we start up the broad stone steps, it stares back at us, a dark gray shadow against a pale gray sky. As we climb, Finley rambles about a castle's many famous ghosts. His eyes grow bigger with every story. There's the piper who went missing in the tunnels and the soldiers soldiers lost during sage and the headless drummer and the prisoners left in the vaults and the women accused of witchcraft and burned at the stake. 
The veil is growing heavier with every story and with each step towards to upward each upward step. The weight of the story the weight of history of old memories of things no longer here but not gone either. Finley leads us over to an empty moat empty moat through the front gate into the castle grounds. The word castle has always made me think of a giant house. <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder why. But it's more like a miniature city. The, we're still outdoors, surrounded by high stone walls and a network of lower buildings, some steepled and others flat, and all of it like something out of a medieval fantasy. Cool, whispers Jacob. The veil, the veil's gray curtain flutters at the edge of my sight. If I cross over, what would I see? Curiosity blooms inside my chest, but I know that it's not just curiosity. It's the pull of purpose. My heart picks up. My fingers curl around the camera. I don't realize that I've stopped walking until Finley glances back at me. This way, he shouts. He leads up through uh, what he calls the portculus. It's a gate like the top of a mouth full of sharp steel teeth. We go up, up, and up and all the way to the top of a courtyard ringed with cannons and studied with tourists. The, the producers clearly don't shut down a place this popular to film my parents. We, I don't see them, Jacob says, but Finley's already beelining for the edge of the battle mounts. I don't know what he's looking at, not until I get a little bit closer to see beyond the stone wall. View doesn't do it justice. We're up so high with the with the castle buildings at either back uh, at our backs and the steps drop off the cliff all of edinburgh rolls away like carpet beneath us whoa jacob says whoa i echo see finley says beaming i told you it was worth the trip he's right the place was breathtaking for once i can't bring myself to take a picture because i know a picture could never really cra- capture what i'm seeing so i lean on the ramp okay see it is aggressive it is aggressive sweeping. I lean on the rampart on the ramparts. I don't know what that means. I lean on the ramparts, okay, and simply take it all in. The veil shudders and ripples, and I close my eyes, imagining that I can hear what I can hear in the distant thud of soldiers and boots and thunder of cannons and mournful songs of bagpipe and singing. I shiver. Did you hear that? I asked Jacob silently, but when he answers, he sounds distracted. It's probably the wind. But it's not the wind. Way up there, the air whistles around us. But there's no more than air than there's more than air to the sound that I heard. The that voice, I know it by the way that the music echoes in my bones. I try to remember Lara's words, her warnings, but my own thoughts keep unraveling, and I have to hold on tight just to keep them away from keep them from floating away. Cass, Jacob waves his translucent hand in front of my face. I blink. The singing fades, replaced only by high, thin breeze. Maybe Jacob was right. Maybe it was just a trick of the air. I step away from the rampart, just as something goes, boom. I I jump, lurching back, but it's clear I'm not the only one who heard that. A plume of smoke goes up nearby, and the air shakes with the sound. Finley only smiles. One o'clock cannon, he said, as if it's perfectly normal for people to fire heavy artillery in the middle middle of the day. Come on, he adds. We'd best go find your parents. I pull the show's filming schedule from my pocket. It says, Castle. 
Not nearly incredibly helpful, considering that this castle takes up the whole mountaintop. Do you have any idea where they are, asked Fanley. Nope, he admits, but I shouldn't. It shouldn't be that hard to find them. I'm guessing in the barracks or the old prison cells. Right, makes sense. My parents aren't here for the crown jewels or the kitchens or the St. Margaret's Chapel. They're each site proudly advertised by a placard or a sign. Nope, they'll be knee-deep in the dark parts of the castle's history. We cut through the nearest building, which, according to the banner on the wall, is a great hall. My first thought is that it looks like the dining hall straight out of Harry Potter. Pigworts, announced Jacob triumphantly. Broomball, Crowpuff. He's actually never read those books, which he knows drives me crazy, but he also knows that I don't have time to sit and, t- and turn 10,000 pages for him. So I broke down and showed him the movies. It's like the scene from the tum- with Tumbledore and Magic Hat, he exclaims gleefully. He clearly wasn't paying that much attention. We make our way from the great hall into another smaller courtyard. Here, the spell is broken by signs of public restrooms and a little touristy cafe. Kinds of skill, kind of skills the that kind of kills the mood, doesn't it? Says Jacob. Finley stops to grab a paper cup, strong of strong black tea. I look around to find why the castle feels so different from Mary's king's clothes. Maybe it's the number of tourists or the open air. According to Finley, the place is definitely haunted, and I can feel the veil, but it doesn't feel menacing. There's a low, steady tap, tap, tap of ghosts, but it's like a light drizzle, not a downpour. It's just me, I think. Or is it this place is just way less scary than Mary's Mary King's clothes? Shush, hisses Jacob. Don't say that. Why not? You'll jinx us. I roll my eyes. And then we step out of the courtyard down into the prisons. And all of that not-so-nice haunting feeling goes away, sucked out like the heat through an open window. I shiver. The air around me is suddenly cold. The ceilings are low and the walls are broken by iron bars. Messages scrawled on the back of cells like fingernails dug into wood. All of the hairs on my arm are standing up in warning. Jacob scowls at me. You did this. I didn't jinx us, I whisper out loud. The castle's already haunted. Maybe, he glowers, but you definitely made it more haunted. I want to tell him that that's not how it works. But the veil is already wrapping itself around me, trying to drag me down under the tap 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 turns into hammering i repeat a few, i repeat oh, i retreat a few steps towards the safety of the courtyard then i hear dad's voice the one he uses when he's teaching a class <sighs> we moved from a buried town to a looming fortress the edinburgh castle sits on a shelf of jagged stone standing guard for nearly 1400 years with that much history, Mom chimes in, it's no wonder that the castle's home is so many ghosts. Of course, their voices aren't coming from the airy, ghost-free courtyard at our back, but down from the, from the hall deeper within the prison. As if Finley can't tell him about to bolt, he, as if Finley can tell him about to bolt, he plants a large hand on my back and urges me forward into the dark. We find my parents standing in a cell, the light in front of the camera crew casting jagged shadows through the bars. Prisons of war, prisoners of war were kept in these very cells, my mom said, and if you look closely, you can see that there's scrawls and desperate messages. Of course, they aren't the only things left behind. I hear dull knocking, like fists against the iron bars. No one else seems to notice. I grip my camera. And cut, calls one of the, queue, one of the crew. 
Mom sees Finley and me, and her face breaks into a smile. Cassidy, there's our girl, Dad says. Well done, Finley, coaxing her out. Wasn't hard, he said, shooting me a con- conspiratorial, oh my gosh, that's a hard word, conspiratorial look. I think she was getting restless. You missed the South Bridge vaults, Mom said, wrapping her arms around my shoulder. I tried to look disappointed, even though I'm just relieved. I'm not, e- I'm even more relieved when they when they wrap filming and we get out of the prisons. We head back to the open air of the courtyard. The crew heads for the next location, the castle barracks, but my steps slow. Not because I'm scared, but because there's music in the air again. High, sweet, and haunting. That's because there's a bagpiper, Jacob says, and he's right. It's just a man in a kilt standing at the battlement above, the instrument wailing softly in his hands. There's nothing strange about a bagpiper. So why do I have a strange feeling? Maybe I'm borrowing trouble, as mom would say, looking for a monster in a closet, shapes in the dark. I'm probably still on the edge after hearing what happened to the man in the house, shaken up by the whole sending ghosts on. I was, it was pretty intense. Dad glanced back at me from where I was standing on the set at the doors. Cass, you coming? I'll be right behind you, I say, nodding at a restroom sign. Jacob waited outside as I ducked in. I snapped the cap back on my camera and the lens and the camera lens and set it on the counter, splashing a little water on my face. My nerves settle and I sigh, take up the camera again and head back outside. But Jacob's not there. Jacob? I call for him inside my head and then out. Jacob? No answer. It's like he disappeared. Only he wouldn't do that again, not after this morning. Jacob, I call again louder, and there's nothing but a lull of bagpiper song. Jacob's voice reaches me, but it's thin, wispy. Cassidy, I turn, scanning the courtyard. Where are you? Why can't I see him, and why does his voice sound so far away? Then it hits me, the veil. But why would he cross without me? I'm coming, I think, reaching for the gray curtain. Stay back, he says, but his voice cuts off suddenly. I'm already tearing the fabric aside, fumbling out of my world into another. Cold water and numb skin all over the all of the air knocked out of me and then I'm through. It takes my eye a split second to adjust. The grayed out world and the light inside my chest to the tourists that suddenly replaced by soldiers and ghosts marching into the castle square to the sight of Jacob's panicked face visible for an instant before he's drugged backwards into the prison. I don't think then it never occurs to me to run away to run any other direction besides towards my best friend. Jacob, I shout, racing after him. Afterwards, I regret it so much about, I will regret so much about this moment. The fact that I didn't have a plan. The fact that I didn't take the cap off my camera. The fact that I simply ran. But in the moment, all I can think of is saving Jacob. I plunge into the darkened prison. The cells aren't empty anymore. Men in ragged uniforms rattle the bars, but I'm not paying attention to any of them because Jacob's there. On the ground in the far cell, being pinned to the damp floor by half a dozen children. Two of them looking like they belong to in a fancy old painting, and one is dressed in rags. Others look more modern, like they could even go to school. Oh, even even go to my school. The only the only thing they have in common is the is the cold pallor of their the cold pallor of their skin, and the fact that they're all attacking my friend. Hands clamp over Jacob's mouth, and knees pin pin his wrists. One frost-covered boy sits on his chest as the other kids fight to hold him down. Get off him, I ordered, hurrying towards the cell. Jacob tears his mouth free long enough to shout, Run! But I can't. I won't. Not without him. 
Get away from my friend, I snarl, lifting the camera, but the cap is still on, and before I can get it off, a hand clutches, catches my wrist, and voices whisper in my ear, Sorry, love, it says. They only listen to me. A hand tightens, and I'm wrenched around. For an instant, all I see is the red of her cloak, then glossy black curls, white skin, crimson lips, and a curl and a sweet smile. Hello, dearest, coos the raven in red. I know I need to fight, but I can't. Not with her fingers around my skin and her eyes and and her eyes on my eyes and her voice like music in my head. You, I murmur, but I can't even hold on to my thoughts. Her other hand drifts up to my chin, tilting my face towards hers. So much light, so much warmth. Cassidy, Jacob screams, and I snap my head back, but it's too late. The raven in red changes before me. Her cloak whips violently as if caught in a gust of wind, her fingers harden like claws. Her smile cracks and turns cruel, and then she thrusts her hands straight into my chest. Cold rushes through me, a bone-chilling cold worse than the bottom of the river. It feels like icy fingers wrapped around my heart. I can't breathe, I can't speak, I can't do anything but watch the raven as she draws her hand out, clutching my rib bones of blue-white light. My light, my life. She tears it free, and everything goes dark. <clears throat> That's creepy, huh? Mm -hmm. That's so creepy.